My name is George, you're a nerdy tutor, and with me today is a cycling enthusiast, my mom. Welcome. Thank you. So, we had a, I think we had a great topic last week in animation here, and then we're going to... Um, I've always had the idea of having two different types of topics here, one of which is a broad topic, um, like comic books, Japanese animation, um, things that have like kind of a, not necessarily a broad appeal, but have like a lot of range inside of it here, and then focus topics here. So, what is the Batman? Who are these characters in Game of Thrones? Who are things like that here? So, we're actually going to, because it's somewhat topical here, we have... Captain Marvel coming out this week, and I figured this is a good chance to somewhat be topical as best as possible. Interesting topic. Never knew she was a chick. So, because for a large amount of her lifespan, she wasn't, which is kind of an odd way to explain it here. So, starting off with Captain Marvel, what do you know about Captain Marvel? Okay. I can get real confused between... I know that there's DC Comics and Marvel Comics... I can get real confused as to who belongs to which. I'm going to assume Captain Marvel is a Marvel comic. Um, I beyond that, she, I mean, she she looks kind of like a female Iron Man, but I'm sure that's not the case. A little intentional, maybe or not. So, um, so let's have a quick tutorial. So the history of Captain Marvel is actually weird. Um, I don't, comics in general are very much weird. This is a, uh, there's a gentleman by the name, uh, Movie Bob, who, I, who has wonderful commentary on nerdy topics like this. He literally has a topic on his show, um, on the Escapist here, uh, that's really called Comic Books Are Weird. And this doesn't, this actually is, was very useful, helpful in actually figuring out this topic here. So, so run that by me again. Where would I find him? So, depending on which version of him that you're looking for. Now, the name Captain Marvel has actually been a character for a number of different years in different publications here. So if we go back to the 1940s through the 50s here, if I told you this was Captain Marvel, which I'm going to show a picture here of a gentleman here. We'll put this on the website here as well. That, that kind of looks like The Flash. Kind of a little bit like The Flash. So his name was, So this was the original Captain Marvel here. Published by Fawcett Comics, um, he was actually had a kind of a very cool origin here. His name was Billy Batson. He was a ten to twelve year old child, and what happened was that when he um, when he said the word Shazam, he transformed into Captain Marvel. Now you might wonder where does the name Shazam come from? It stands for apparently these legendary immortal heroes. So um, stood for you know, the wisdom of Solomon, the strength of Hercules, the power of the, um, something of Atlas here, the power of Zeus, uh, the quickness of Achilles, and the speed of Mercury. So, so the strength, strength of Atlas, Atlas was really strong. What would, would have been Hercules, would be the bravery of maybe Hercules, maybe? Okay. I'll have to look, yeah. I'll have to, I'll have to update that here. I'll, I'll put a note in. Um, but so, originally he was a character that was actually getting pretty popular, almost more popular than Superman. Well, that that pose, actually, I was going to say, looks very Superman. And that's what made, uh, at the time, uh, DC Comics sue Fawcett Comics over the rights over that character. Because oh. DC Comics thought the character was too similar to their own. 
Um, there's quite a number of differences that we might say nowadays, but I think what ended up happening was that a lot of the comics skewed similar to how the comics for Superman were, and for the most part here. And um, in 1950, there was a lawsuit, and which uh, ended in 1953, I want to say here, that basically said at the end of the day here that you know there was copyright infringement on the design, on the look and feel of what was Superman at the time, and so. Fawcett Comics actually literally got told, you can't make this character anymore. You know, so they didn't. Um, the original author of it here, though, eventually created something in uh, Europe here called Miracle Man, which was enough of a difference here to kind of just skirt the line. They made it so different here because it skirt the line. Because again, I mean, that guy look that guy here. I mean, he, he looks, looks he looks very Superman ish. He looks the, he the looks pose, like Superman. Yeah, the pose, the hands on the waist, it, the whole it, the hair. The the, yeah, I mean, even the cape. It's an off the shoulder sort of cape here. Yeah. And, but again, yeah. like, that looks like that could be Superman just in a different costume. Yeah, it so, does. So yeah, so that's so that's how we get to that here. That's how. So that's the original origin of what Captain Marvel was, and that was who it was for a long time. Nowadays, he's known as Shazam. Okay. So, to be as legally distinct as possible. He, occasionally, they mention that he's, like, in brackets, kind of like Captain Marvel. They make allusions to it all the time in the comics now. But, for the most part, his name is Shazam, which is hilarious because that's how he turns his powers on and off. Well, I, I, like, I like the fact that Shazam is... An acronym for something initially. Yeah. yeah, which is actually pretty clever when you think about it. So, I mean... I'm, like, all on board for that. It's pretty cool. Okay. So, push forward here. There's a little-known company called Timely Comics. It eventually rebrands itself as Marvel Comics in the 60s here. Um, and at one point here, they were trying to do reprints of Captain Marvel in, like, 1963, thinking that hopefully... I mean, ten years have passed. Ten years have passed or so, and actually DC's actually trying to get the rights now because Fawcett Comics is starting to go out of business. Okay. Um, but Marvel Comics at the time basically says, no, you can't do that. You're infringing on our name, Marvel. And eventually what the Marvel Comics decides on here is that, like, we can keep pressuring them to do this and paying us to when they do this, but if they have a Captain Marvel, we're kind of going to be out of luck here because, hey, we're Marvel at the end of the day. So they create a character called Captain Marvel. To basically get into a, what is a, semi-pissing rights with, you know, DC over the name. Which... Okay. Yeah, which sounds about right, I would imagine here. Um, so all that being said here, essentially what ends up happening here is that they create ca their own Captain Marvel. So, let's see here. This would be Captain Marvel here. Okay, so that's a very modern looking sort of... Superhero, yeah. Yeah, Millennium Superhero. Okay. And, if you, and is his colors right now are the inverse of what Captain Marvel's colors are, so... No, okay. See, now, right now, in that picture, he's kind of reminding me a little of Captain America, even though I know Captain America is more of a sort of retro thing, but... it's That's that's the nature of comic books, I think, at the end of the day, is stealing and, and poaching stuff from everybody else, and... Everybody kind of looks the same here, but when I describe what his superpowers are, you're going to be like, no, wait, that's Superman, because he's got 
super strength, super durability, super stamina, super agility, super reflexes. He's pretty super. He flies. He ha- and he projects energy. He can project energy out of his hands. No laser beam eyes, though. No laser beam eyes. There's some okay. again. Yeah, I mean, and no cape. Marvel does not have a fascination with capes. DC does, but not Marvel. Oh, I like a good cape. I I still I still love the. Uh, the Incredibles here in their first movie describing how why capes are a bad idea because they always get tangled up into something. So, uh, like I love for I love somebody finally pointing out a reason why capes are a bad idea. And then in, at the very end of that entire movie, the cape is what actually does in the bad guy. He gets sucks and gets sucked into a turbine by his cape. There we go. So it makes perfect sense. So uh, Captain Marvel who for distinctive purposes here so that we don't confuse ourselves I'm going to be calling Marvel because that's what his actual name is so Marvel is a race called the is from a race called the Cree it's a space it's a space race that's somewhat technologically advanced quite and they've had some run, run-ins with earthlings here superpower superpowered humans from earth so Namely, the Fantastic Four. And so the Kree Empire here, which is kind of a... Um, uh, kind, not quite what Nazis would be like, but more like Romans, I guess, would be, probably be the better example here. Like, very nationalist, very for-the-empire sort of thing, sort of people here at the end of the day. Um, fascist? Uh, fascist to a certain extent, yeah. I mean, okay. they, think, they think they're the greatest thing since sliced bread. Okay. Um... So the Kree Empire has had a couple run-ins with human beings and superhuman and superpowered humans here, and they really want to kind of send somebody to Earth here to kind of figure out: Are these good guys? Are these bad guys? Like, should we really be worried about them or not? Um, Kree come in two different styles: they come in a blue skin variant and a pink skin variant. Pink as in we're pink. Yeah, pink is in humanish colors. I guess is the okay. best way to put it here. Um, if can, you now, can, can we back up a moment? Okay. Fantastic Four. I I know it from Saturday morning cartoons, but what are they? So Fantastic Four is one of the original superhero groups of uh, the Marvel continuity. Here, um, it's the it's a semi family of four individuals here: Mister Fantastic, uh, Sue Storm. Um, Johnny Storm, and then uh, Ben, who I can't remember. I want to say his name, his name is Ben Richer, but it's not. Um, or The Thing. So it's... Okay, okay. Now now, now I remember. Now you can think. Okay. Yeah. So, okay. yeah. So we'll go into this a little bit more when we get to the comic book episode in a couple episodes here. Okay. Um, we, I wish we could have had the comic book episode before this, but timing is what timing is. Yeah. Um, the family, you know, so th- that family has... But the, it goes into space semi-frequently for reasons nobody really and, has a great and, and answer And they contact for. Other, other cultures. Well, other cultures usually end up contacting them by accident or they somehow involve themselves in other cultures in a lot okay. of cases. Um, so what I will describe here real quickly is that everything that happens in space is known as the cosmic realm okay. in the Marvel continuity. Everything that happens in space is cosmic-related okay. because everything in space is a little more fantastic, ethereal... Magical, mystical, you know, cosmic, I guess, is the best yeah. way to put it here. Um, and the Kree are no different here. If you go back in time to the Marvel movies here, um, 
if you remember Guardians of the Galaxy, the first one. Love the Guardians of the Galaxy. Okay. So Ronan the Accuser is a Kree. You know, so he's got the blue yeah. skin and everything. Yeah. The um, and I'm not I'm not hundred percent certain on this or not, but the blue guy with the mohawk, I forget his name all the time. In Guardians with the, of the Galaxy. With the, with the arrows. With the arrow, yeah. He's also Cree as far as I can gather. Okay. Because he's blue skin. And so that's kind of the trait. It's, it's very much a trademark of the Cree, but pink skin is not uncommon as well. That's, that's how you get Sylvester Stallone. I think so, yeah. But I don't think he was a Cree, but Cree in that particular case. you got to remember that that entire pantheon of scavengers of the organization they were all kind of with. We're all made up of different aliens who were basically just like, you know, bounty hunters, rogues, and, you know, miscellaneous bad guys doing bad guy things. Yeah. With a code for some reason, but they have a code. Yeah. Um, so, tangents aside, <laughs> we get back to Captain, we get back to Marvel. He's a captain in, in the Kree military. He's sent down to Earth to be a spy because he's got pink skin like them. And he initially takes over the identity of somebody in NASA, oddly enough. And kind of goes through there trying to figure out, hey, are humans really worth uh, fighting over or getting involved with at all? This is something that we really need to be concerned with at the end of the day. And one day, Earth is being attacked by uh, a race known as the Scrolls. Now, they're a shape-shifting race that will probably come into effect in the movie here um, that mimic individuals and people all the time. So you don't know what's in the movie either. I don't. I, I absolutely oh. don't. I, I'm, I purposely am now of trying to avoid trailers like the devil because I find trailers always ruin the best stuff here because they they want to show, they want to make people really excited and interested in it. If you have an interesting enough idea and premise, people are going to watch it regardless. You don't need to tease what's in it. And I often find like teasing stuff in it ruins the movie itself because you know to look for that in the movie. Oh, that's just like from the trailers. I don't yeah. like that anymore. Like that's why I watched the first trailer and that's it. Because the okay. first trailer is not enough to sell me on it, then it's not then the rest of the movie's probably not worth being sold on here. Okay. Um and so I cuz I want to go into movies as um I, I want to go into movies as movies intend to be gone, gone into, you know, clean with no knowledge of what's really kind of going on unless it's a sequel and you've already watched the sequel beforehand you know the first movie beforehand to go in cold to have a clear a, no clear expectations because when you watch the trailers you start getting expectations on what's going to happen and I feel that um, degrades your experience on a certain level okay but but let's back up here a little bit do these movies stand on their own or do you have to do you do you have to have watched others in the series to pick up on sort of who and what people are so yes and no if it's one of the movies here that's like a so like if you just wa walked in to watch ant-man as an example you don't really have to know everything else that's going on in the marvel universe to really kind of appreciate the movie on its own they 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 try to stand very much as their own movies a lot of the time here before they ever are the actual movies about their about the world here at all. Now, if you've watched the other movies, you get slightly rewarded by the notions of like, oh, in Ant-Man, there's this, there's this organization. Hey, that was in a Captain America movie. So it seems like a much bigger world when it doesn't necessarily have to be. So the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. sort of thing. Yeah, so like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. exist, 
But if you actually never watch it on it at all, like you're not missing anything from the movies at all. Okay. Much in the same way, if if you only ever watched the main Avengers movies here, like you're not really losing anything at all. Like you kind of can understand where all the characters are, who the characters are at the end of the day. You may not know why they're whatever situation they are they're in before they get to where everything else is, but it's somewhat rewarding to to get the notion here that you have watched these other movies and oh I know a callback to that oh that's a member of that it makes it, it makes you feel rewarded at the end of the day for having watched everything else for having the, the inside uh, knowledge they have the inside knowledge and on okay. a certain level I almost think it, it enhances the movies as well to be like ah I know what they're talking about they don't need to go any additional story plotting or anything and it rewards you for having watched the other movies knowing what kind of re-pops up in other movies it's like oh, that's who that is that's why if you don't watch uh, uh, Winter Soldier if you don't watch the original Captain America if you watch Captain America Winter Soldier you don't understand how important the Winter Soldier is to you know Captain America you know made that mistake actually your brother had me watch the Winter Soldier and I wasn't following everything I was yeah so sketchy. that's yeah, that does. Yeah, so again, some some of those movies in which if it's a sequel to one of them, you should watch the other ones just because it it adds more to it. Um, it's more fitch, uh, fullness world, I guess is the best way to put put it. Maybe. Okay. All right. Yeah. So, um, so speaking of Captain Marvel here, um, as a tangent here, he's a Kree. He's a Kree spy who jumps down, to, who goes to Earth to spy to make sure humans are not really dangerous at all. Sort of a third rock from the sun sort of thing. Kind of, yeah. yeah um, okay. he, the planet starts getting attacked by scrolls, which again, this uh, shape-changing race. And he puts on his uniform and goes out to go save everybody. And when they ask him, well, who are you? I'm Captain Marvel. And everyone mishears him and calls him Captain Marvel instead. So the name just kind of like sticks with him. Even though his name is Marvel, he goes by Captain Marvel. He's not really all that invested in trying to um, in incorrect pronunciation yeah huh? so um as much as captain marvel exists throughout the marvel pantheon of superheroes he's actually not that important in, in the great scheme of things he exists kind of like a cosmic sort of uh somewhat of a cosmic hero for the most part here um he eventually uh because of his time on earth here fighting other things trying to save earth in trying to save Earth, essentially, he actually gets branded as a traitor by the Kree Empire. So he basically is, you know, if he goes back to the Kree Empire, he's basically a traitor. They'll they'll put him on crime, on trial for crimes here. They're that kind of a people, yeah. Um, and even after a certain point here, he actually gets trapped in what they call the negative zone, which is, you know, even in my long history of reading comics, don't know what it is. Not very well, at least. So much that he gets trapped there, and he acts to... He somehow communicates telepathically with a guy on Earth who, if he puts on these negative bands, can switch places with Captain Marvel for a couple hours, and Captain Marvel can go save the day and then goes back to the negative zone. He gets in and out of it from time to time here. It's so he can shapeshift and he can... No, 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 the scrolls shapeshift, but he, okay. he gets trapped in... A negative. He gets trapped in a parallel universe, essentially. So, so basically, in a holding place. Yeah, can't leave very easily at all. But somehow he can leave by trading places with somebody, 
here on Earth, which is how he pops up every so often. Again, not very popular of a character for the most part, but um, if you don't keep publishing comics about him, you lose the rights to the name, which means that DC will get the rights back. So as much as he's not a huge player in the world of Marvel of Marvel superheroes and the greater stuff that happens in the uh, Marvel pantheon of what happens on Earth on Marvel, he does stuff on the cosmic realm, which you know makes him play a bit of a role in the cosmic stuff. So, okay. so uh, how does he, he now morph into a she? So he actually doesn't morph quite into a she at all. So now we actually get to talk about Ca- Carol Danvers, which is the current incarnation of Captain Marvel, originally known as Miss Marvel. Okay. So uh, so what is Carol Danvers here? So she originally character kind of introduced in the original Marvel series. She was a, um, for what it was in the 60s, she was an officer in the Air Force as a pilot which is pretty progressive for what it was. Twice, she yeah. had to jump quite a number of gender boundaries and stuff here to get there. And then eventually she starts working for NASA and then eventually for the CIA as kind of a, um, I am in charge of all the stuff that, you know, like her kind of role eventually ends up becoming like, I'm in charge of all the stuff that comes from out of space. I'm the person okay. that knows all about that stuff here. This is kind of in a time before S.H.I.E.L.D. really. Um, which even in the comic books is kind of your catch-all American defense force at the end of the day. You, okay, you, okay but, but she really is an alien from outer space. No, she's human. She's human. She's 100% human. Okay. So uh, what ends up happening here is that Captain Marvel's not that popular at all. But by the time we get to the 70s here, they've rebranded Wonder Woman from DC Comics to be kind of more of a feminist icon almost. And they kind of want something similar to that here for, you know, Marvel comics. And so they choose, you know, Carol Danvers here to be the kind of that person here because she seems relatively popular at the time through the comics. She always seems to have not necessarily great roles in the Captain Marvel pantheon of comics, but she's around enough that like, you know, hey, here's this woman who we've already placed and said, oh, hey, she's an air, she's leaped all these different bounds and everything. Wouldn't it be great to have a comic on this very progressive woman that's all they've already made very progressive as a whole okay um so one day here the scrolls are trying to detonate a bomb that's some sort of you know some sort of nuclear warhead i guess is the best way to describe it here like alien bob in quotation marks okay and um carol danvers happens to be there with captain marvel there's not enough time for her to run away so what ends up happening is captain marvel actually shields her using his body from the blast what ends up happening though is that the radiation and energy from the blast here causes some of his dna to mix with hers and for her to absorb some of his dna so sounds a lot like getting bit by a radioactive spider everything in most things superhero related are kind of contrived okay so uh she ends up becoming a kree human hybrid and she absorbs all the same powers of what would have been Captain Marvel here. So, um, again, the strength, speed, agility, reflexes, stamina, durability, um, and also flight and energy projection. She gains all these powers and decides that she's going to become a superhero as well. She might as well. She has these powers here. Yeah. Why waste it? And so she becomes Miss Marvel. And that's the kind of the semi-current version that we know her as now. 
um, essentially. Okay, so 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 where Wonder Woman is brunette, she's very blonde. Yeah, no, uh, Carol Danvers as herself is very blonde. So um, I'm going to show you a picture here of why she was very popular. Now she had an original costume, but when and she even her own comics here was not super well taken. I mean. Her comics were very progressive for women for what it was at the time here of the yeah. 70s going into the 80s here. Well, and, I mean, I always think of Wonder Woman as more of the TV show. Yeah, so I'm going to show you a picture here. We'll put it up on the blog here as well. This is why she was very popular. <laughs> yeah, she's um, it, that's kind of painted on. There are a lot of um, flesh and really like the boots. Yes. Again, this is again this is this is a bit of the reason why a lot of the comics here in the you got to remember that comics in the seventies and eighties and even the nineties were made for a primarily male demographic for the male gaze is is the best way to put it here and this is definitely for the male gaze. Okay. So, um, so yeah, her comic her comic did semi well here. It's not it's 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 somewhat groundbreaking for what it was, but it's trying to be the same thing that Wonder Woman is. Um, a progressive feminist sort of, you know. Well, I mean, and Wonder Woman is scantily clad. Oh no, yeah, no, she's yeah. again equally just very much scantily clad with the again like a. They didn't design women women you know clothing well, very well for superheroes. Every everybody's showing quite a bit of skin all the time, and well, the guys the guys are in body suits that don't leave much to the imagination either. I mean, you're not seeing skin, but you're certainly seeing a lot of body form. So you know, yeah. I'm not I'm not taking offense at that. Okay, all right, well, so so yeah, this is Miss Marvel here is a semi popular character. She ends well, her original comic book ends in the very early '80s. She becomes a major. She becomes a major star of the Avengers, which is a long-running sort of team-up superhero book that they usually publish. You know, every couple, every like month or so, usually, which basically goes about you know, hey, here is the team of superheroes working together, not unlike the Justice League in you know, in DC Comics. Um, there's a somewhat groundbreaking chapter two hundred of Avengers that's not well taken nowadays. And not really um, at all. Um, it implies rape, which is why it was not well taken. Oh, but so okay. yeah, so I'll explain it as best as I can. I don't have all the major details. I did do my research here this morning. Um, basically, what happens here is that she gets somewhat kidnapped here and taken to kind of an alternate dimension where she falls in love with a character named Marcus, who's a the son of a bad guy of a, of a previous Avengers sort of bit here. Um, now, it's implied that she's brainwashed because this is not quite how she was. She would act normally. And so when she comes back from the wherever she was she was kidnapped from, she has very little... She has some memory of what happened, not a lot of memory of it, uh, but she's also just somehow pregnant. Ooh. And then goes through a rather quick gestation period of a couple days and then gives birth to a child real quickly and nobody they're not quite sure how she get she was able to give birth to this other child and what exactly is going on here but just like the pregnancy the child grows super quickly and why look at that it's Marcus which is this thing that again kidnapped her and took her in implied brainwashed here it, it regenerated itself I, well, initially the problem was is that he could not live on. He could not come to Earth at all because Earth has got a slightly different environment. 
but if he but if he does whatever he does and he impregnates himself in Captain in Miss Marvel here, he can be born as a kind of a human analog and be able to survive on Earth. Oh, right. oh. yeah. Wow, that that's really messed up. No, yeah, no. Again, it's 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 not well implied, and then it gets it gets a little worse even. It somehow finds out uh, somehow in the process of becoming you know a fully fledged adult here. Miss Marvel is just head over heels in love with him because, of course, she's somewhat brainwashed here. And it's decided here that they're going to go live a magical life somewhere else, not on Earth. And they just, you know, Marcus just decides, you know what, we, we can't be here anymore. Or at least I can't be here anymore. I don't talk, I do not do well on Earth atmosphere. And they just, you know, poof and disappear and go to somewhere else. And the Avengers don't really stop it at all. Well, okay. Did did he become a good guy in there? No, okay. it was never. It, he this actually never gets he, this character itself of Marcus almost never gets brought up in the Miss Marvel pantheon here, and she disappears for a number of comp for a number of years actually at this point here. Um, it, when it was back in the day here again, like it wasn't well received, but it didn't have quite the backlash it has now because a lot of people now look at that and very much see that it's kind of a rape allegory and a, you know, and a uh, survivor sort of, you know, mentality. Yeah, it's, it's, Stockholm Syndrome. Yeah, and, it's, yeah. It's, it's, it's not well received now, but for what it was back in the day here, like, I don't think the media was big enough to make it a big deal. You well, know, and, com- and, you and, had, how, and, and our sensitivities to that sort of thing have, have changed a great deal in the last 30 years as well. Agreed. I mean, it's, but... You know, one of the things that I find interesting, and, and we can get into this more when we're talking not about a specific movie, but about the, the, the characters in general, is how often um, versions of it change. Batman and Spider-Man being two, two key instances where the version and the story kind of change a little bit um, with different movies, with time, with... with, uh, with Interpretations by different yeah, patients. by different people. So the presentation is different, and um, and so I I, I see storylines abandoned, mm-hmm. and people sort of reborn, um, and and I I sense this is probably in keeping with that. So what kind of ends up happening here? Um, Marvel has a, most comic books do this thing where every couple of years they change whoever the lead writer is and whoever the main artists are of their series. Um, Famous examples of this are like Frank Miller's run on Superman, or excuse me, Spider-Man and Batman, um, and then you have uh, Todd McFarlane's version of Spider-Man, and a couple other variants on this. Like, uh, when you get when we get to the comic books here, there's a great story about the '90s and the super kind of um, the not the super art comic book artist, but more like the uh, um, would be the like the Hollywood super uh, comic book artists as, as kind of a way of staying. It's how Stan Lee got really popular in the '90s on, okay. a, on a certain level here, um, with the superstar version of comic of uh, that. Okay. So, uh, jump to about the mid '80s here. There's a little known series called X Men that's running, which is very popular because it's a superhero team um, that's an allegory for civil rights. Um, which is very popular here. Carol Dan- uh, Carol Danvers, Miss Marvel, comes back, and uh, she initially has kind of no memory of what's going on here at all, but she remembers that she's Miss Marvel and she's been gone for a long time. Um, 
at the time she gets attacked by what is a bad guy Marvel character named Rogue, who's a mutant whose power is basically, I touch you and I absorb everything about you. And when it's normal humans, it's just, I absorb your life force and I absorb your memories. When it's another mutant or superpowered individual here, I absorb you, I absorb your memories, and I absorb your powers. Oh, you could become really, oh gosh. But it's not, it's, it's one of those things here where like, if she touches you, she has no control over it. So she can't really ever like kiss a person or hug a person at all, not without wearing a bodysuit and other stuff like that. So you have no personal life? Well, you can have a personal life. They they find some ways around her ability, her inability to touch it. It's in the comic book pantheon. They call her what they, they call a beta mutant, which is basically a mutant that can't turn off their powers. Okay. So like Wolverine's superpowers is not his claws; it's actually his regenerative ability. Um, he, like, if you shoot him in the arm, that wound closes up within a matter of a couple seconds and heals itself perfectly fine. But it's a mutant ability that he can't turn on and off. Uh, Cyclops is somewhat of the same way here. He projects beams, these beams of energy out of his eyes, but he can't turn that power off. So he has to wear glasses that stop it from getting emitted out. So, okay. again, Rogue is one of these, Rogue is one of these characters that can't turn off her powers at all. She's, it, again, comic books are kind of interesting on a certain level. Okay. Um, so Rogue absorbs her, absorbs Miss Marvel's powers here. Miss Marvel actually goes into a coma for about a year and doesn't remember who she is because obviously Rogue has stolen all of her memories and powers. Now Rogue develops the ability to fly, to fly, have super strength, durability, and stuff like that. She can't do the energy projection, but... She has also knowledge of military understanding, NASA, things like that. So does she, she now? Does she look like like Miss Marvel? No, she doesn't. Uh, no, she doesn't look like Miss Marvel at all. Here, let me. So she can't impersonate her. No, she cannot impersonate her at all. Um, but very famously, Miss Marvel occasionally kind of pops up every once in a while here. Um, to kind of in her psyche and kind of takes over her body for a short bit of time in some cases. Again, when you absorb somebody's life force, you absorb their psyche and their mind and all their thoughts and knowledge here, depending for Rogue, how long she holds on to somebody for. So famous example of them fighting. Um, I have to say I'd fit right in here with the thick thighs. <laughs> uh, let's see here. Um, so... Eventually, she ends up um, absorbing all of her powers. Miss Marvel, you know, with the help of Professor Xavier, which is a... I know who he is, yeah. Basically, he reads minds and helps with mind projection and things like that. Uh, He restores her memories, and she remembers the time of Marcus and gets really upset with the Avengers. Like, literally curses and screams at him and is not an Avenger anymore. But she also doesn't have any superpowers either. She loses her superpowers because of Rogue. Okay. Does she get them back? Yes, by a very long, tangy sort of way. So, okay. Um, she ends up becoming the kind of the pilot for the X Men for a number of for a number of years. Um, she's also like more like a spy at this point here. Well, she spying. worked for NASA and she worked for the CIA, mm-hmm. so you know she's got good background. So, um, eventually, in some sort of tangy here, she winds up in space with the X Men here, and she somehow gets new superpowers 
which are somewhat similar to her old, and she becomes a character called Binary. She gets linked with what they call a white hole star. So if you've heard of a black hole, which kind of sucks everything in, a white star kind of expands everything, out. expands okay. everything out. And so uh, she takes on this new kind of, you know, name in Binary. She um, basically has more powers than she did when she was Captain Mar- when she was Miss Marvel here. So she's even stronger, even faster. She's got uh, new abilities to uh, manipulate uh, molecules and absorb energy. Um, she is what they call cosmically aware, which basically makes her kind of like how Spider-Man has the spidey sense where he's kind of able to kind of sense when an attack might happen to her. She has a cosmic awareness, which lets her know everything that's happening in space on a certain level. Like if something, she feels the vibrations. Yeah. If she, if like, if like an alien force is coming, she's like, Oh, that's happening. And she just kind of, you know, like, a tingle in her brain happens and she's kind of aware that what's coming for her now. Okay. And at the same time here, she gets a slight bit of precognition so she can kind of sense when somebody's going to like shoot a beam at her or punch her or things like that. Um, and so as binary, she has all these really interesting, some more, more interesting powers, but she's not really more interesting as a character. Um, at some point here, by the time we get just before the 2000s here, she loses her binary powers. Um, and as a result of losing kind of the super cosmic sort of powers here, she just reverts back to her original powers with a bit more of the of the binary stuff in there. So now she has, um, again, she can manipulate molecules to a certain extent. She can absorb energy. And if she absorbs the right amount of energy, she actually get back to her... A binary kind of a binary level of powers but it's not well seen all that often here she actually avoids it because it would kind of destroy her internally um, she also gets regenerative powers which kind of decreases her aging makes her immune to toxins you know she heals real quickly she's got which gives her even more stamina again she gets a lot of extra abilities okay um now, is that and is that the the version that we're seeing in the movie? So that's probably the version that we're going to end up seeing in the movie here. So, um, which is a, kind of a little bit mix of everything here, but it's not well. Probably going to be better described in the um, movie than than I can probably do it here in all likelihood. Okay. Um, when we get, but no, I'm willing. I, I, I'm willing to to venture into that. I, I guess one of my questions is, you know, you mentioned that she's just not really not that interesting. What makes these kinds of superheroes interesting? It's, so it's all about the presentation of the story here, um, how the characters are used and how the characters are not used here. Um, clearly there was an artist here, again, how he explained how Marvel likes to switch up their artists and, char- and writers for stories all the time here. Somebody thought it was very interesting that if she had these binary sort of abilities or thought she's depowered, I want to see her back as a superhero again, and another artist came in a couple of years later, you know, five, five, six years years later and said, you know, I'm not really digging the bright, the kind of dark red sort of aesthetic and white bikini look. I want to kind of, I want, I want the original kind of Miss Marvel look back and I like the original Miss Marvel version of this. So we're going to depower her and get her back to this original variant of it here. Because different comic, a lot of time what happens with comic book um, artists and writers there are a lot of the time their fans that used to be interested in the comics 
beforehand. So a person who wrote a person who has been reading like Batman comic books for a long period of time might decide, oh, when I'm a writer, I'm going to bring back this one weird tangent that was in one comic book at one point here, and I'm going to see it. I'm going to make it out. Um, I'm going to see what would happen in a, in a comic book. This is how um, we get to Batman having a son who becomes the new Robin. I was not aware Batman had a son. Again, in one comic book here, so as a tangent here, Batman has a has many lovers. One of the lovers here is a woman named uh, Talia al Ghul, who is the daughter of one of the famous villains, Raz al Ghul. He's basically an eco-terrorist at the end of the day here. He believes that if you that you got to destroy enough of humanity to let nature get back to a somewhat equilibrium. So a little like the second um, readers of the or uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. Kind of like that, yeah. Yeah, where he, he's going to kill off 50% of everybody to save. Uh, so that would be the Avengers. So that would be the okay. Avengers Infinity War. Thanos is of the opinion here that if you kill okay. 50% of humanity that... There will be, if you 50% of the population of the universe here, that there will be less of enough of the universe to uh, basically um, not cut. Basically, it'll allow that the societies to grow at a, small, at a slower pace and get back to a somewhat equilibrium. Uh, Raza Ghul believes that nature has been that basically human beings are horrible people. They're destroying the they're destroying Earth here, and that he's the only one that really understands that if you that you got to kill a lot of the humans here to get the human population down to a more reasonable size that they can coexist with nature instead of being dominant over nature. Okay. You know, mo- all good villains always think they're the hero at the end of the day here. Is the is a is a great way to remember. If a really good super a really good villain is either a great foil for the uh, foil for the hero as a complete opposite to them or they think they really are the hero here at the end of the day. Again, Razagul thinks he's the hero. But his daughter here kind of is in league with him at the same time here. Um, they have numerous one-night stands, Batman and Talia al Ghul. Mm-hmm. Uh, to the one point here that Talia al Ghul tells Batman that she's pregnant because she, you know, I, I guess it was intentional. Um, but throughout the story, um, it's shown that Batman, because he knows he's going to be a father here, wants to be around for his son because, again, obviously his parents died when he was a young age. He doesn't want to... Yeah. Put that position for his for his future son here at all, um, but what Talia notices is that by the because Batman is trying to be safer, he's actually taking a lot less risks and actually letting a lot more criminals go loose than when beforehand that he would have easily captured them. Batman's very much a I'm always angry sort of character and and such essentially. So Talia eventually decides that she's going to basically have an abortion to make sure that Batman is angry with her so that way Batman will be angry and be a better crime fighter. Wow, that's really wrong. Yeah, and again, it was a it was a very short story here way back in like the very early late 80s early 90s from when this happened here. A guy fell in love with that story and decided back in decided later in the early 2010s that what if Talia didn't give up the kid, didn't have the abortion, and actually raised the kid as her own, and as a result of raising the kid here, he became, you know, an assassin, essentially. she It's too dangerous for the kid to live with her because of the 
Ra's al Ghul wanted to use him as a an assassin and a hitman, essentially, for his plans, and decides, you'll be better off with your father. And so gives him back to Bruce Wayne, who never knew about it at all. Batman never knew he had a son. And he ends up becoming the new Robin. Okay, well, let's let's back up here because I'm 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 just just because I'm curious. <laughs> so Batman doesn't realize he has a son. He's angry and becomes a super firefighter, uh, crime fighter, mm-hmm. and then suddenly realizes he has a son and his instant dad. Yeah. Well, what about child support? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, he's he's Bruce Wayne, so it doesn't matter. Um, but that just, that just, you know, the poor kid. I mean, I know. But again, this is this is this is this tangent really does kind of show that like different writers have different interpretations on the same character in a lot of cases mm-hmm. here. And then where one person really likes the one way a character goes, other people like kind of the other way it goes. This is why. Occasionally in the storylines for Cap- for Miss Marvel here and eventually Captain Marvel, uh, the binary sort of thing comes up every so often. Not a lot, but it comes up every couple of years. So every as... couple of years, the, her level of powers change? Not that her level of powers has changed so much as that um, if she absorbs enough power, she can get back to a binary level of power. Okay. Or for, or for her, at least, is a um, binary being the binary term of power being like the level of power that she was at beforehand. Like, if you had to, like, on a scale of 1 to 100, Binary would be, like, 100 and 110, as we're, like, Ms. Marvel's usually at, like, a 50. Okay. So, and, and she got these these superpowers um, because she came across them when she was out in the... Yeah, yeah. Some, they kind of kidnapped her for a little bit, experimented on her, and somehow activated the powers. And, again, obviously, you give a super a person who's already got a high level of justice and sense of justice here, superpowers, and she's not easily brainwashed at all. Okay. Um, so when she gets back to Earth here, um, after losing her binary power, she goes by the ter- she goes by the name Warbird. Um, and so for the next couple, for the next couple, about decade or so in the 2000s, she's, she doesn't have her own comic book at all, but she's a part of the Avengers, she's a part of different team she was part of shield she, she was she was a she was a flight captain which yeah. makes sense since she was you know so she she bounces around a bit on earth she's kind of a a bit player in a lot of different stories so like mm-hmm. if it's somewhat cosmic related she's got a bigger part in it if it's somewhat superhero political she's got a little bit of part in it she takes place in the uh marvel version of civil war uh, which is about the uh superhero registration act basically it's a notion here that um, the government, the U.S. government here wants to verify all the superheroes. So that way they can A, pay them, B, they can create insurance policies to, because obviously superheroes do some damage every once in a while to stuff. And basically they want to have a tracking for everybody who has a superpower and what superpowers exist out there. So well, Because they feel threatened by them too. I mean, you get a little bit of that in The Incredibles. Yes, yeah, it's yeah. very much like that in The Incredibles too. Um, so Iron Man is totally for the Registration Act because he sees that it's going to do a lot of good here. Because obviously, um, as the richest guy, as the rich, theoretical richest guy in the Marvel universe here, he pays for a lot of stuff to be fixed. <laughs> so he's the, the deep pocket. He's kind of yeah. Like anytime something gets broken at all, like and it's it up either part of his storyline or part of the Avengers storyline or one of the characters from like an Avenger story here, 
he kind of always ends up kind of jumping in to help out and pay for the damages. He's got enough money that it's not an issue for him at all. Like, but even he realizes that like a lot of the funds that would go that he could put back into the business here is being used to do this here instead. And that if the government got involved, you can create taxes on superheroes and their deeds and so forth. You can eventually figure out a way to get this result to get this to a state of equilibrium again. Versus Captain America in Civil War, which basically is not in agreement with that. Superheroes are not being superheroes because they want to be superheroes. They're doing it because of a sense of justice here. And there's nothing in this at all that also says that uh, you don't categorize supervillains as well with superpowers. You know, it's the good guys basically disarm, somewhat disarming themselves and giving up their identities to the U.S. government here. And who's to say that that's not going to backfire on something else either? A lot of Captain America stories, um, when we get to the kind of more modern age, because it's a literal flag on his chest, um, end up being very political as far as like doing the right thing and versus not doing the right thing, which you see a lot in the movies too. Um, but that's very much the reason why the character is uh, very is again very political for what it is. So they have a big fight here. Miss Marvel's on the side of uh, Iron Man. She comes up a couple more times in the 2000s. It's not till the 2010s that she becomes more interesting. Okay. And so by the 2010, I mean that we get her more um, classic-looking, you know, Miss Marvel. And this is the one that's a more of a bodysuit that's very reminiscent of the original Captain Marvel here. Um, she still kind of has this sash that goes around her waist with a, it's kind of got this long extra ribbon on it for no yeah. reason. Um, which is somewhat of a staple of some superheroes. You get this as well with uh, Jean Grey in her phoenix form has a sash around her waist. It's not quite a skirt, but kind just kind of a sash. Kind of a ladylike thing. Yeah. No, I get it. Yeah. Well, okay. So so let me make a comment on that. Because mm -hmm. I've, I've seen some of the trailers. And um, I thought it was kind of cool that they dressed her. Um, mm -hmm. You know, even though earlier I, I did say, I mean, it's the guys aren't are in body suits basically mm -hmm. so i don't take offense when they're scantily clad but i thought it was interesting that that you know here we are in the me too era and um wonder woman um in the recent movie was very scantily clad mm -hmm. um and and very um overtly sexual um even even though in some ways she was kind of innocent i thought it was interesting that they chose to to do that, I didn't know that it, that I didn't feel like it struck a good balance. Wonder Woman's a weird character to begin with. If you, when you go deep dive down into what her original origin story was, is that her original origin story is actually written by a psychologist who had a very interesting. Oh, it's not. It's not that she was raised with the. Uh, she was raised by the. the Amaz she was. She was raised by Amazons, and during World War Two. She lives on an island, and a somehow a World War II pilot gets there and explains what's happening to the rest of the rest of the world, and she decides she needs to go defend the rest of the yeah. world. It's very very much in line with the with the, the movie, movie here. Okay. The movie's a very good modern or take on what was the original um, Wonder Woman com kind of okay. comic origin. Okay. But if you go into the deep dive of who created the original Miss Marvel in a beta in a kind of a a meta sense here. It was again written by a psychologist who had a very you know, for what it was back in the forties and fifties, an unusual relationship where he had a wife and they had another lover. 
They made a movie about this, actually, um, which is kind of how they describe the character, how to describe the psychologist, his wife, and this other person here, and kind of how they create the Wonder Woman character. Because you go back to Wonder Woman character, there was a lot of bondage and a lot of ov- very overt sexuality going on there. You have the cuffs, which... The cuffs, yeah. yeah. Like, there's a lot of overt sexuality that happens in Wonder Woman comics before she gets fully integrated with the DC universe. Universe and obviously the original writer becomes new writers and yeah. comic writers take over certain stuff here. They try to keep a, a lot of that sexuality in there because that's just kind of who the character is. Yeah. Um, and I think in the sense of that, like if we're overly sexualized and we own it, then nobody can use it against us as a negative. And I think the movie, when you go back to the Wonder Woman movie, like that costume is about as great of a costume as you're going to get for what would have been a. a that character here like there's some aspects of it that don't quite work out like obviously like the well she's got a skirt where you know if if I remember right Linda Carter just had pants panties basically yeah she basically had a bikini bottom that was just stars which don't quite make sense because it's a very kind of American sort of looking theme yeah when the character's not American she's actually more Greek and Roman if anything yeah yeah and you did get that in 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 uh the Wonder Woman movie, you got the sort of very, very sort of um, almost biblical looking leather skirt and, um, or Roman gladiator looking leather skirt. Um, and so you did, you did get that sense. Yeah, I think really for what it was, that was, again, that was, it was a great, I think that was a very good movie at the end was of the a, day. That was a fun movie. Yeah. yeah. The, the first two acts of that movie are, are great um, movie at the end of the day here. Um, I tend to find that the last act kind of uh, doesn't work as well as I think um, upon re- upon repeat viewings. I think it's it feels a little contrived to me because yeah. like, but it's still a good movie on on a whole here. Um, well, so so where I st- where I started this conversation was I thought it was actually kind of nice after having seen that to see Brie Larson in a in a sort of Iron Man looking bodysuit yes so she's very much in a skin tight suit that you might see uh, all the other characters in on a certain yeah. level here and this is actually somewhat of marvel's in- intention actually okay um in fact actually the reason she takes on the cat the name of captain marvel here is that she gets a new costume and captain america is like hey you've been this warbird name for a while why don't you take on this other name because this is more who you are you're not like this roguish sort of person at all like you were Miss Marvel beforehand why don't you be Captain Marvel because Captain Marvel by this point is dead okay and again trademarks aside <laughs> you kind of got to yeah. keep using the name if you're going to have it at all and and I think the name actually better fits for her and even Captain America says this outright here so that's how she ends up getting the name uh, Captain Marvel here okay um, in the early 2000s here Marvel, when it gets acquired by Disney here, starts looking at their properties and starting to be a little bit more inclusive. Clearly, the movie, clearly the Marvel movies, um, when you have, when you look back at it here, when you have Iron Man, uh, the Hulk, Captain America, Thor, like they start kind of realizing here with the involvement of Disney here that they're going to need to make their characters a little bit more uh, ethnocentric. I guess is the best way to put it, which is not a bad thing. I, I don't. I, Are you talking about like Black Panther? So, not necessarily Black Panther. Black Panther's been around for a long time. 
I was thrilled that it was nominated. I, I was surprised it won. Award. I'm surprised it won stuff. Yeah. Oh, no, it, it was an awesome movie. And, mm-hmm. and so I was really um, glad to see, because I mean, we can talk about this later, but I, I mean, I find it interesting that um, somebody with an Academy Award would do one of these movies because they're not known for being something that you could um, go through award season with. Yeah, that's always kind of the weird thing because the award seasons are really about the, the about the Academy trying to paint them. It's like, look, this is what we're about. This is our greatest stuff that we have going on here. Look at us, give us awards for these great things. And a lot of the time they're from movies that nobody ever watched or didn't have a huge cultural impact, but were kind of like big, you know, but, but kind of paint the Academy as being like this, you know, higher than thou snooty sort of organization that's like, look at us, we make quality movies not some fanfare sort of you know yeah, it's summer not about box, yeah it's not about box office it's about about creating you know lasting things and mm-hmm. um and i i saw some of the movies this year and and um i i saw the favorite as an example and and gosh no i still i still have not watched the green book here i'm told it's a it's a good movie but like but that doesn't hit as a cultural milestone i mean that's why the awards are kind of somewhat Superfluous on a certain level because they don't speak to a what don't they don't really speak to a common. Yeah, there's a lot of controversy about Green Book too. Yeah, um, because it feeds a feeds a certain narrative. Yeah, so so, um, but no, yeah, no. So a lot of the characters in Marvel comics here are now actually a little different here. Like the Miss Marvel title is now in the hands of a girl who's of Pakistani origin. And she stretches like Captain, Mar- like like, uh, Fant- like Mister Fantastic does. Um, the kind of semi incarnation of what is Iron Man almost is actually a black girl from the Bronx, who's also a super genius that makes her own armor, and gets help from Tony Stark to do it. Um, you have uh, the powers of the Hulk actually go to a Korean kid who's actually really smart who can actually control the Hulk. Oh yeah, because in the one movie he he can't, he can't even get pissed off. No, yeah, he's having he's having issues. Yeah, but yeah. this kid can turn into the Hulk and retain his entire personality, and actually get a little more lively. Okay. Um, you have again, like you have a lot more characters that have a lot more origin and background kind of coming up. Okay. Um, that are not replacing current heroes, but with the intent, but they have the intention of superseding them at some point here. Um, oh, and they're getting old. Well, they're getting old, and then at the same time here, like if you look at a, if you look at the original first Avengers movie, you know Captain America, white white American. You look at you know Tony Stark, white American. You look at um, you know uh, Black Widow here, vaguely Russian Roman Roman, but white. Yeah, you, yeah, you know, no, I every, get it. Everybody's I get it. yeah, and so but when you get to later movies here, you're clearly seeing a lot more of a pantheon of different skin tones, races, and different people here. And that's kind of what Marvel has been slowly going toward in the comics, which I think will start happening more in the movies after this next Avengers movie. And Well, I think the success of Black Panther as well would have well, sort of sparked that. Yeah. Um, but one of the things I think Marvel is really doing here is when they get to the 2000s here is obviously they want Captain Marvel to... Um, where in the Marvel movies here, Captain uh, Iron Man is kind of the linchpin of the, kind of the series here. Like, yeah. A lot of the major stuff happens around Tony Stark and Iron Man or heavily relates around him or revolves somewhat around him. Mm-hmm. Um, Captain Marvel starts doing that in the Marvel comic book series where she starts becoming a more uh, 
more bigger player kind of on the scene. So she gets, um, she eventually becomes kind of a superhero leader for the U.S. government. Um, she eventually takes on the task of operating what is the superhero prison and eventually becomes their base. Um, she creates a thing called Alpha Flight, which versus where like the Avengers and the um, the Avengers here would be kind of a protecting sort of thing. Like the Earth is in danger, we need to protect it now. Um, Alpha Flight and eventually a team known as the Ultimates here um, go out and stop threats from happening. So prevent preventative maintenance. Preventative maintenance, yeah. So they go out and stop threats from happening, and that might be, you know, going out there and beating up aliens before they might as they kind of get close to Earth, and stopping them from ever actually getting to Earth. Things like that. Okay. Um, she becomes very popular in the U.S. government because of that, because she is getting the job done here and protecting a lot of you know human society, where a lot of the Avengers are still fighting you know stuff that's happening on the ground there. Um, so she's becoming a much bigger player in the world of, of the Marvel world here. Um, and then what most people kind of know her for now is uh, the second Civil War that happens, um, which is another big event in the DC comic, in the, in, excuse me, in the Marvel comics here, um, which is the tagline for it is, um, you know, Captain Marvel here wants to ch fight to change the future. As where Iron Man wants to fight to protect the future, um, so again. So, so that's going to be the new nemesis for for Iron Man, as opposed to Captain America. Possibly, but I actually don't think so. I don't think they actually will do Civil War two, or if they do, um, it will be much later down the line. Here, I think, um, probably another five or six years from now, hopefully, but uh, we'll have to see. Um, but uh, what Civil War is too essentially is here is that uh, there's a character that kind of just gains superpowers called Ulysses, and he sees the future. Um, and at one point here, there's a massive cosmic being that comes that comes to Earth, and because he predicted that it was going to come, all the superheroes are ready for it. Stop this massive threat from you know hurting, you know hurting the world, and you know. And they're all wondering, like, how did we all end up knowing about this happening? Oh, how were they all aware? How were they all aware that this was ever going to happen here at this particular date, at this particular time? How were they able to get all these magical beings to put this cosmic being away? How are they? How are the superheroes ready to evacuate the city to make sure everybody was going to be safe? Like, how did this all happen? They're all kind of wondering here. It's this kid named Ulysses who can see can see into the future and had this vision. Okay. Um, well. You know, Carol Danver here loves the idea of somebody seeing the future here and uses him to help stop crime, essentially. So, um, you know, they go out of their way to stop the stop crimes here, essentially. And in the process of stopping one of these crimes, though... Um, you have to be careful when you change, though, the time continuum because then you change history. Mm -hmm. That's I mean, that's that's always sort of the, the catch. I always think of Marty McFly and his mother falling in love with him. Yeah. And almost changing history so that he isn't born because, yeah. So, so um, you you don't fool with that. Yeah. yeah. And this is something that, that Iron Man eventually kind of gets to because what ends up happening in the beginning of the story here is that his best friend, Cody Ro um, yeah. Rhodey here, yeah. dies because they go to a mission. And he's upset here that, like, you know, if you could see the future, you would have known that he dies in this mission. Did you know that? 
and Carol's like, and Carol at this point here is like, yeah, I knew this was, yeah, I was told this was going to happen here, but I'd still send them on that mission anyways because it's the greater good. It's all, you know, it actually does a lot of good here. But Iron Man doesn't like that notion at the end of the day. Everybody seems to know about poor, poor, poor Iron Man's. Uh friendships and things because because or about his his uh happenings because obviously captain america knows that, that the winter soldier yeah i mean yeah superheroes talk to one another but iron man's also of this nature here that like he doesn't have a he, he doesn't he, have superpowers he, he doesn't makes have, superpowers he makes his superpowers but at the same time he's not shy about saying that he is iron man at the end of the day same the same way with um captain marvel at this point here Captain Marvel, people know who she is. It's Carol Danvers, but no, that's Captain Marvel. Much in the same way that, like, people know that uh, Steve Rogers is Captain America, but he's all. But everyone kind of knows who they are. Some superheroes are still some in the su- closet. In the closet about who they are and secret identities and stuff. Um, as where some superheroes are, are are very much, you know, hey, I'm Iron Man. But Tony Stark doesn't have to worry about that because, again, he's got all this power and nobody can really harm him or his family because of all the power that he has, which comes up, which comes up in the original. Kind of an arrogant point of view. No, well, again, I mean, like he's got, I mean, if you think about it here, a lot of superheroes don't tell who they are because if you knew who this, if you knew who he was here, you would go after his family, which is an easy way to get to them. So if you knew it was Peter, Peter Parker, you'd go after. This is a, this is actually part of the original Civil War here where like. Peter Parker tells everybody that he's Spider-Man. And as a result here, his enemies go after his aunt and kill his aunt and go after the person he's married to. And, you know, Peter Parker's originally on Iron Man's side in the registration, but then realizes the terrible mistakes he's made because I think all Peter Parker, Spider-Man stories are all about the horrible mistakes Peter Parker makes and how he has to somehow find a tangent out of it. Um, But... He ends up switching over to Captain America uh, to Captain America's side because he realizes that, like, yeah, superhero registration is a great idea in theory, but it doesn't work. Look what's happened to my life. Okay, so so this is a, this is for a later date, but but, but in this particular instance, we're going to go see the Marvel movie mm-hmm. for Spider Man. Yes, and we'll we'll have an entire discussion on Spider Man at that point. I'm fascinated by Spider Man. I've seen several iterations. Yes, we'll describe all of them for you. Um, so eventually what happens in Civil War here is that um, Iron Man doesn't like the notion here that using that you're stopping crime by preventing it from ever happening. You know, it, if somebody doesn't if somebody doesn't shoot another person here, can you really say that they actually did a crime at the end of the day? Yeah, it's not a crime to think it. Yeah, you know, it's not a crime to think it at the end of the day here, you know, or even if, like, as an example here, like, somebody has a gun in their hand, you know, you're not absolutely certain they're going to shoot somebody or not with it here, but by stopping them from ever shooting it here, they never actually created a crime, so you can't be prosecuted for a crime that didn't actually happen. happen. Oh, so then you're leaving criminals on the street. Well, not so much you're leaving criminals on the street. You are stopping crime from happening, but you're not actually creating you know, civil justice at the end of the day because a crime never occurred. Okay. Like, there's a lot, there's a lot of like thought, thought happening in here. Um, I just know you don't mess with the time continuum. You don't, yeah, it's not ideal to mess with. Knowing the future was dangerous. Well, again, knowing the future changes the future. If you knew what was going to happen in the future here, it changes because you now know what's going to happen. You can have an effect on what happens. Yeah. And you know, much the same way, if like you know how, if you know a stock's going to go up, you buy the stock. 
you know, and the stock goes up, but that's not without consequences at the end of the day because, you know, now that you made the stock go up, now you have a different lifespan or, or a different kind of, you know, outlook on money and situations here that changes what you would have had before, what you would have seen or done beforehand. Yeah, no, there's, there's, it's, it's been the theme of lots of movies, like uh, Peggy Sue Got Married. Yes. Um, in the end of the day here, um, eventually kind of comes all to a head here with Iron Man and the Avengers and a whole team of superheroes versus Carol Danvers, the Ultimates, and a bunch of other superheroes, including Guardians of the Galaxy, which side with her, oddly enough. Uh, I love, I, I don't know why. I love Guardians of the Galaxy. They're so much fun. It's one of those movies. If it's, if I'm on a long flight and it's offered, I'll watch it. Oh, yeah. Um, so eventually at the end of the day here, um, in front of actually the Capitol steps of the uh, of uh, Congress here, um, there's a final fight that kind of happens here between Carol Danvers and Iron Man here where Iron Man loses. Oh, so Iron Man loses at the end of the day and gets knocked unconscious and basically goes into a long-term coma uh, because of this and gets t- written out of stories for a long period of time, much in the same way that when Captain America lost the first Civil War, he theoretically got killed by a bullet and was out of the comics for a long period of time as well. Okay. Um, the character Ulysses here, again, keeps having visions and visions of what's happening and it is slowly actually transcending a little bit of his superhero powers um, to the point here where, like, he has one final vision of what's going to happen, and it's of uh, Captain America dying at the hands of, of Spider-Man. Oh. But not, yeah, but it's a different Spider-Man, though. It's um, a kid by the name of Miles Morales, who is kind of the uh, African-Latino Spider-Man of, uh, now, which yeah. is really kind of cool. If you had seen um, Into the Spider-Verse... That's the character uh, that. Well, I thought I thought the current sp- iteration of Spider-Man was the one that that Tony Stark sort of takes under his wing and teaches. In the Marvel in the Marvel movies, yes. Um, okay. Even in even in the comic books here, uh, Miles Morales is like kind of a student of of Tony Stark as well. Okay. Right. So, um, this future vision actually never happens because, you know, never actually happens here at all. But. Again, acting upon the future means that you change the future. Okay. Um, Ulysses ends up uh, transcending and turns into a cosmic entity and just kind of disappears. Probably hear from them again at some point. Um, much, much later down in the later on, because my Juice of War came out, I think, in 2015 and 16 here. Okay. Um, Iron Man gets put into, Iron Man goes into a coma, coma. barely survives okay. this fight with Carol Danvers, because again, it's a lot like. Um, super. It's a lot like fighting Superman as Iron Man, and he, and and she's fighting him. Why? Because um, what eventually he wants the registration. Well, no, no, no. Um, no. Okay. Again, what, the re- the original reason why the two of them are fighting here is because uh, Carol Danvers keeps kind of going too far on a certain level. What oh. kind of again? What kind of initiates it here is that. Um, she arrests a person who has ties to uh, a criminal organization through bank banking records and stuff because that's what Ulysses saw. And what ends up happening here, though, is that um, there's no proof. There's no evidence. She completely she's she keeps you know you know claiming her innocence here, but they've got no real proof that this is actually what's happening or 
that this ever does actually so she, happen. So she's, she's like a one-lady lynch mob. Kind of. I mean, if you've ever seen Minority Report, it's the same way here as well. Like, you're stopping crime by, you know, knowing what happens first. You change the entire events of it. You don't actually stop the crime from happening. You stop people from doing a crime. And that in and of itself, they never committed a crime. Yeah. And in this case here, again, she arrests somebody who doesn't have any damning evidence against her that she is this, you know, secret banker or some sort of agent of this criminal organization here. And it's a bridge too far for Tony Stark here, who's just decided, no, that's too much. You're now arresting innocent people who've never committed a crime. They go into a fight, eventually breaks up. And then when they get to the Capitol steps here, again, it's this notion here that, you know, Iron Man can't have this. Iron Man can't continue doing this here at all. He can't allow Carol to keep, you know, all this happening here. Now, I'm, I'm grossly over overstating how this all happens at the end of the yeah. day here. Yeah, um, For the sake of time. But um, eventually, Iron Man goes into a deep slumber. Um, he sends his... He has an AI version of himself. And this is what he sends over to... Uh, this little girl here named, if I have it here correctly. Yeah, so he's the one who sends, he sends his AI version to this young... Um, not Pepper. No, not Pepper. Uh, but, she sent, but he sends his AI consciousness to this girl who's actually made her own Iron Man armor based off of materials that she was able to scavenge from MIT in reverse engineering the Iron Man armor from watching it. Oh. So she becomes what uh, what they what they call uh, what she calls Iron Heart, which is the new Iron Man, but this African American girl. Cool. Which is really cool at the end of the day, actually. Too, she's a younger kid. She was a qualified as a genius when she was five years old. She went to MIT when she was fifteen, and again, she made her own Iron Man armor off of looking at the original armor and replicating it. Not all the properties of it here, clearly, but. Once she gets uh, the close iron... enough, yeah, close enough that it's like, oh, that would be an Iron Man armor. Uh, she eventually gets Tony Stark's AI, which helps her out in building her own armor, which looks very similar to the original Iron Man armor, a little feminine looking, but um, but if you didn't know it wasn't Iron Man, you wouldn't actually know otherwise. Okay. Uh, Carol Danvers, on the other hand, though, she, you know, basically was always kind of a champion for stopping crime. At the end of the day, here. You know, even if there's a small chance here, I'm going to stop the crime from happening because I want to protect everybody. The U.S. government is, the U.S. president is totally behind this at the end of the day and basically says, you know, you have, you know, I'm willing to back you up on whatever you have, whatever it is you want to do now, do going forward here. And Carol was like, well, I have a couple ideas. Well, okay. Isn't this kind of fooling with civil liberties? Well, again, I'm not... I'm, we got to remember here that Ulysses now is gone at this point here, so they can't stop you know crime anymore like they were beforehand by knowing it was going to happen. He's gone. Okay. He's, he's transcended. So, his so term. then, how is she determining that a crime is going to happen now? Well, she doesn't anymore. Oh, okay. No, no, that that part of the story is over, over. here. Okay. But you know, basically, she's she's basically ingratiated, ingratiated herself with the U.S. government here, to the point here where she can kind of go into the, where now she is a part of the u.s government here she kind of has a little free reign to do whatever she wants never a good idea not, not usually but again like it's the intent of like again it also kind of goes back to a little bit to her own kind of like patriot act like how much freedom are you willing to give up to be safe at the end of the day it does kind of lead into more stories here she's not an outright villain because she's trying to do the right thing 
she becomes a little bit of a villain on certain levels, depending on how the story is written. But a well-intended vigilante is still a vigilante. True, but she's not really quite a vigilante anymore because she's on the U.S. government, so she's a paid superhero. If, if she's making the, the one making the decision, though, she's still kind of a vigilante. True. Okay. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of the Captain Marvel history here as best as possible. I think the movie in general, though, when we get to the movie here on Friday, is going to really delve into the beginning part of the story here where... Um, I think they're going to completely sidetrack the whole Miss Marvel thing here. I would love for that original costume to show up in some way or form. If just as kind of a slight little wink and nod. Uh-huh. Um, but um, from the trailers, they're already going to mangle the story quite a bit here to give it a different origin. Um, I think one of the original, I think one of the changes that they're going to have in the origin here is that Marvel is still going to be Marvel. Okay. Versus Carol Danvers is going to be. I think somebody else initially. They keep making kind of like semi flashbacks to her as a child and her going and her being raised up here. But when we get to the kind of the from the trailer, I get the impression here that like she's been on the kind of the Cree world and going back to Earth here and hunting down scrolls, which I think will be a major plot element of the story here. Okay. Um, but she's there on Earth as a Cree soldier, not as originally a human here and there'll be some uh, there's something that'll happen in between there that'll explain that probably a little bit better um but i think that'll be kind of an interesting aspect because it's going to take place in the early in the early 90s okay so um before um nick fury has the gash in his eye which makes him wear an eye patch the entire time okay so um you also get to see a young phil uh phil collins which is the guy from the uh agents of shield as opposed to the... to to the older balding one, yeah. Okay. Um, so yeah, I'm very interested, and in also just because again, like they're using the more current version of the of the super suit versus like the other iterations of it, because even the other iterations are are not, or while they're while they're nice to look at here, like they're not leaving a whole lot to the imagination. Yeah, no, you see your navel, um, <laughs> well outlined. So okay, so, yeah, but. Um, but yeah, so that's uh, that's what we're kind of looking forward to. What are you looking forward to in the movie? Well, I guess, you know, it's nice to see superhero feminists. Um, so looking to see how, how that's, how, how it's handled because I'm used, used to seeing sort of um, the male role models. And mm-hmm. even in my, my favorite Guardians of the Galaxy, there are very few the females. In females, it. yeah. Um, so... Um, so I, I think I'm looking forward to how they. It was one of the things I I looked forward to in Wonder Woman too, is is how they handle the fact that it's a chick. I'm enjoying a lot of superhero movies for the most part when they when they're tackling kind of the women's issue because they're uh-huh. I, I can't really describe a whole lot of the women in the Marvel movies that are not empowered in some way shape or form like yeah. they're all quite empowered and capable on their own fronts here like. By this point here, Pepper Potts is actually the CEO of Stark Industries. Yeah. Uh, Gamora's cl- Gamora and her sister from Guardians of the Galaxy are very ne- ne- much... Nebula. Nebula are very much, um, you know... Equals. Very, equals yeah. and very capable yeah. with the guys here on any particular yeah. level here. Um, and so, like, it's been... I mean, I, can ima- I can't imagine it from a guy's perspective here. How empowering that must feel for, for a young girl here to watch these movies and think, like... That could be me um, one Somebody day. Somebody they can identify with. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. 
Um, so I'm, I can only imagine that being just like a really cool thing for them at the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to that. Mm-hmm. Excellent. So um, I think that's going to be a great chance here for us to go ahead and end the episode here. Um, if you're interested in more in Captain Marvel here, we obviously are going to probably recommend the movie here for the most part. Um, it's going to be coming out here on May 8th. Yes, on May 8th. March here, 8th. March 8th, excuse me, March 8th. Um, and uh, we highly recommend everyone go watch it in theaters and go watch kind of what looks like to be a cool movie. Some of the reviews are already out. I'm avoiding them like crazy. <laughs> I don't don't want to be I don't want to be biased on anything. Yeah. So no, I totally uh, get it. I'll start watching them the second I watch the watch the movie here, which will probably either be on uh, Monday night or very early Sunday morning after work, hopefully. Okay. So I'm super interested. If you'd like to read more about Captain Marvel here. Uh, Amazon has actually got a really cool thing called Comics com, Comic Exology, so um, that's uh, you can look up through Amazon here. Um, where basically, if you are a Prime member, you can borrow up to ten books from their from their library. So you can actually borrow some great graphic novels, including Civil War II, um, Early Adventures of Miss Marvel here, Avengers Two Hundred. You can actually read some of these initial comic books online with your Amazon Prime membership. Oh, very would cool. be a great way to get into it here if you're interested in it. If you know, if you want to, comic book stores do exist. They're far and few in between nowadays here. So, um, so if you're able to see some of it online, I think it's a much better way to see it online if you're able to get a hold of it at all. Okay. Um, but I think that'll be it for us here tonight. Uh, thank you so much for joining us here. Again, you can learn more about our podcast here at nerdtutorialpodcast.com and follow our blog, which will have show notes, pictures, and other review material that we'll have online, as well as links to the Comixology uh, website here, so you can learn more and see more of it. You can also follow us on Twitter at nerd underscore tutorial if you have any questions or want to suggest future topics for us to look into. Once again, it's uh, myself here, your nerdy teacher George, and my cycling enthusiast mom, and we'll see you guys next week. Bye. Bye.